Gregor Paul is still on Leon with the All Blacks, but he was watching. Gregor is one of New Zealand's most respected rugby writers and columnists. His work appears in the New Zealand Herald. And his most recent book is Black Gold, Power, Money and the Team that Reshaped Rugby. Kia ora, Gregor. I bet you wish you could have been at the Stade de France tonight. Uh, well, actually, Jim, I think given the way that game turned out and how poorly Scotland played, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually probably quite glad that I didn't go. <laughs> uh, it made me wonder, actually, I know it's not your job to barrack for teams, but when when Scotland plays the All Blacks, who do you want to win? Well, look, I, I'll be 100% honest in, in Scotland. Right, Jim. It's it's not really a challenge for me to feel like that. I, I know I've lived in New Zealand for twenty years, but you know Scotland's still in my heart, still probably my home. And uh, jeepers, I I would love one day. I've said to my children, I would love one day to be alive when Scotland beat the All Blacks, but I'm not sure it's ever going to happen. <laughs> what did you think of the contest? Not much as far as Scotland went. Well, I'm not. I'm not sure I'd even describe it as a contest. In the end, it never really came to much at all. Ireland had the game under control after about 20 minutes, and by halftime, it was clearly all over. They were they were clinical, they were precise, they were exactly what I'd imagine they would be because Ireland have been playing like that for quite a while now, at least you know a year, year and a half they've been playing that well. So game never really took off. They were just too good in the end. England just getting there against Manu Samoa. I, I didn't see the game, but the live blogger on the Guardian site said, I'm not sure how England won that, but they did. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I did watch that. Uh, and look, Samoa were, who, who again, a bit like Scotland, have been quite disappointing in this tournament, came with high hopes, came with a number of guys who've been able to switch their allegiance back to Samoa, having been all backs. Uh, and, a, and a few Wallabies in there as well, I think. So there was a, there was a bit of hope that they were that they were really going to fire something at this tournament, and they hadn't. And uh, look, well, I think they obviously made their minds up. They weren't they weren't going to go home without doing that. And they they were they were superb against England. And again, a wee bit unfortunate with some of the refereeing decisions. And then they had a chance right at the end to to snatch it, but they just didn't have the composure to finish it off. But great great to see them actually play with that amount of passion. So it sounds like. You wrote through the week that there is a creeping worry among the heavyweights at this tournament that the big bad wolf might be significantly more dangerous than they previously thought after the losses, that's the All Blacks, after the losses to South Africa and France, especially because of the trouncing of Italy. But are these games against minnows good for restoring confidence or do they dangerously get the All Blacks used once more to wonderful running rugby, which makes for frustration and mistakes when a heavyweight team like Ireland can shut them down, Gregor? Well, I mean, good good question. And in many ways, Jim, we won't actually know the answer to that until next week when we do see New Zealand play Ireland and find out whether that is the case, whether it is a false confidence that gets built up when New Zealand have these mismatches and they're able to play the game that they want to play and there's not a lot of resistance and I think what we know is that if if New Zealand are given space which is a a commodity in international rugby that nobody wants to give the other team but if the All Blacks are given it and I'm going to say given it because neither Italy nor Uruguay were good enough to to stop that from happening um, you know they're lethal and there's no doubt about that, that they've got pass and catch skills. They've got innate 
I think what we see with New Zealand is that kind of quintessential kiwiness coming through of, you know, kids growing up with a rugby ball and not a, a football or a tennis ball or whatever other kids grow up with. It's that kind of farmyard, backyard type rugby that they get into because it's just naturally within them to pass, catch and see space and run into it. And, you know, when they get the chance to do it, they're superb. But you're right. And this is really what the World Cup boils down to. And what, what happens next week when we move into the, to the knockout rounds is that, that they won't be able to get, they won't be gifted things the way that they have been against Italy and, and Uruguay. They're going to have to earn it. And when they haven't been able to earn that space, they have been a little bit, I suppose, petulant almost or frustrated uh, they carry a little bit of a sense of entitlement about how, you know what they're expecting when they get out on the field, and it doesn't go their way, so they they tend to panic. We've seen ill discipline. We've just seen the game fall apart when they don't get what they want. So, look, my gut feeling is it's not a bad thing to have a bit of confidence going into these big games, and that will have done them the world of good to get that confidence. The danger is is that overconfidence is it a false sense of reality. I can't really answer that properly until you know until next weekend. It may be my imagination uh, because I know a lot less than you, but I and I also know that Ireland have been so consistent; they've won so many games on the trot. But are sports teams less able now to maintain consistent form? We've just seen the Black Caps overwhelm England, magnificent against the odds from the bookies. But we know that later in the tournament they might succumb when we think they should not. Fingers crossed they don't. These leading rugby, rugby World Cup teams, even South Africa, are all showing glimpses of weakness. Is it perhaps more of a lottery than we think going into the business end of this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and particularly in the in the half of the draw that New Zealand are in, with New Zealand playing Ireland and South Africa playing France, because honestly... You could flip a coin to work out. You know that's the only way I'd be able to guess. Who, you know who's going to win these games, and it really is that tight at that level. There's there's nothing between these guys. And look, it's old. You get into cliched territory, I'm afraid, about these things. But you know, it will boil down to micro moments in the game, tiny little uh, decision making things that guys will have to get right, execution moments that people have to get right. At, at this level, that's what you're doing. I think with Ireland, it'll be fascinating because you're right, they have won in a way that no one else has. I think tonight, I'm probably wrong, but I think it was a 17th consecutive victory, which is incredible. And I think that's pushing up close to the world record of, I think New Zealand have done 18. I think England have done 18 too. So the, I, I guess history tells you and statistics tell you that it's incredibly difficult to win more than 18 uh, games consecutively because no one's ever done it before. So that that would be one little danger for Ireland, I suppose, is that statistically we're looking at a, a set of numbers that tell us, well, they're due to lose either next weekend or the one after, and because otherwise they're going to be setting a world record. Um, so that will be interesting to see whether that bears down on them a little bit. There's been commentary over here, I notice, about this largely being a dull tournament which demonstrates the challenge world rugby has in having to match up the mighty with the minnows. I mean, the game may be global, but is it really much use for teams to win by 80 or 90 points, Gregor? Not really. I think that the, the minnows, I shouldn't call them minnows, the, the emerging nations, I think, is the right term. They, they, The players and their fans probably get a bit of a kick out of being on the same field as, as the All Blacks, and that's a real privilege 
for Uruguay who'd never done it before to get to do that the other night. So for those players, you know, that's a moment that they will take with them and they'll, they'll, they'll have swapped the jersey and they'll be telling their grandchildren and they'll never have that taken away from them. That's fantastic for those guys. Yeah. But for the for the global audience, I'm not sure how much people really do get out of it. I'm not sure it's easy to sell the product to you know, a mass audience when you see one team annihilating the other team. And, and you, it's not even that, but you know what's going to happen before the game kicks off. We could have told you that the game against Uruguay would look exactly like it did with, you know, the All Blacks being able to do what they want, how they want to it, and, and run up a cricket score. So, yeah, look, I mean, you're, you're right. It is difficult to to grow this game globally. And even if we look at it now, there are probably only four teams, New Zealand, Ireland, South Africa, France, who I suspect are, are realistic winners of this tournament. So, you know, the gap between those four and even Scotland, who are number five in the world, well, it wasn't close at all tonight for Ireland. I mean, they, they blew Scotland away. So mm. there is an issue here that even even in the top eight teams, there's a there's a huge gap between, you know, numbers four and then drops off to five, six and seven. So, yeah, look, it's rugby's got ambitions and, and talks about being a global sport, but... I'm not really convinced that it is. Is there a question around how long this Rugby World Cup takes? I know it's a sport that needs recovery time, of course, but would it be more exciting with bigger squads and closed-up time frames? Yeah, well, look, certainly my wife would be a big fan of that because I've been away from home now for an enormously <laughs> long period of time. And, yeah, look, it, 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 it is difficult when it, it has dragged on. I understand why it is because they've, They've created a safety barrier, a player welfare initiative, which is giving these guys a minimum of six days rest between games. Now, I understand why they've done that, but I think your point is the better one and more a valid way of looking at the tournament and going, well, it, for the fan, it has dragged on, and you get these weekend gluts, you know, where you get two, three, four games on a Saturday. And if you look at something like the Football World Cup, they, they tend to have you know, a game on you know, every night of the week almost so you can tune in and, and you know, follow the thing and it builds a bit of momentum and it's over within four weeks. So it has gone on a wee bit too long, but I think that's going to be a one-off because they're actually going to change it next time to 24 teams, which you'll be thinking, well, how nice is that going to make life any you know, quicker? But the, that will actually bizarrely uh, make life a little bit quicker because the, the, the shape of the pools will change from having four, uh, whatever we've got at the moment, four with five in each pool. It'll become six with four in each pool. And that actually allows you to run the tournament a little bit quicker. Um, and I think everybody would be in favour of just knocking a week off this one because it, it does feel like it's dragged on. Very good of you to talk with us at night over there, Gregor. And uh, always nice to have a chat about rugby with you. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure.